KP, KPC, News, Information, Culture, KPCC, California Sensibility. Hey, I'm Amy Choi. And I'm Rebecca Lair, and we are the Mashup Americans. Rebecca, what was the biggest fashion tip you ever got from your mom? So my mom, who you guys met recently, is very fashionable. More stylish. She's very stylish, but she didn't really have tips for me, except <laughs> rules like don't dress like a, a schlub on an airplane or mm. when you're traveling. You always like put on an outfit because mm-hmm. you're arriving somewhere and you should act like a mensch. <laughs> and the other was a never show your belly or your bra straps. And that was kind of a big deal in Southern California. Just going to say. say. So she probably doesn't love like the crop bustier sport bra thing that passes I mean, an outfit right now. You can't imagine the words that will come from her mouth when she sees <laughs> someone wearing that. Uh, what about you? My mom was always like, well, let's buy clothes two sizes too big so they can like fit forever. I don't know, it's like an immigrant, like, post-war mentality thing. Sure. Except then, you know, like, I got to high school and I stopped growing and, like, my clothes were still all always two sizes too big. Wasn't good look for me. How long did it take to figure that out? Probably until the end of high school. Yeah, okay. Let's just say that right now I like to buy my clothes precisely fitted. Yes. Yes. It's a very good reaction. <laughs> uh, so that's about the extent of our deep fashion knowledge from <laughs> from our mashup lives. But we have learned a lot from Nina Garcia, Colombian-American mashup, creative director of Marie Claire, and total fashion icon. You probably know her best as the most judgy judge on Project Runway, which is filming its 15th season right now. She looks like Princess Grace got stuck in the spin cycle of the washing machine. She looks like a Christmas ornament. It feels a little bit like the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. I really love this look. It made me dream. And Amy got to talk to her. I did. And I will say, having watched her on Project Runway, I was pretty nervous about like what to wear to go interview her. And you know, it turns out fashion people, they don't care what you're wearing. They have more important things to do. They have more important outfits to look at. She was wearing this like super fabulous fringed t-shirt top thingamajig when I went to go interview her. I cannot wait to see a photo of that on the Instagrams. So with that, here's Nina and Amy. Nina Garcia, how do you mash up? My favorite way to mash up is really with fashion. I'll mix day and evening, or I'll mix something classic with something modern, or I'll wear something funky with something classic. That's how I like to mash up. But I'm also very Colombian, very American. My kids want to be American, (laughs) but I really enforce the Colombian in them. I I am really a mashup. How do you enforce the Colombian in your children? I only speak Spanish to them. When Mm -hmm. they were growing up, there was no English speaking in my house. In fact, when they got to preschool, they really didn't speak any English. Wait, wait, does your husband speak Spanish? No, my husband did not communicate <laughs> for three years. No, they were just bombarded with Spanish. The cartoons were in Spanish. I only spoke to them in Spanish. So they're 
really they spoke Spanish before they spoke English. Mm -hmm. My Spanish is pretty good. When I was in Colombia, everybody across the board was always just amazed that I could speak Spanish because there's just no expectation that like an Asian woman is going to be able to participate in this conversation where like down in the Llanos, there were no Asian. I was the only one. And like everybody knew that I was a foreigner. Yeah. Um, is there some place in New York where you like to eat Colombian food? In my home. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you cook? I cook, and we and we we eat Colombian food. Yes, my kids will have like rice, and they will have arepas, mm -hmm. and they will have plantains. <laughs> it's like a it's like a staple for my kids. They have to have their plantains. How is your Spanish? So I think my Spanish is really good. But when I go to Colombia and somebody asks me about, I don't know, some business question mm -hmm. or I have to speak to a lawyer or right. when it gets really to another level, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, what is that <laughs> word? How do I say that? And what does that word really mean? You know, I left Colombia when I was around 15. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I could converse in Spanish fairly well. And I, you wouldn't know that I, I haven't been lived in Colombia for a while. But when it comes to very technical language or very business-like language, I really never had the opportunity to use that. Right. And in my business here, I only speak in English. Right. So that translation is harder for me. And that's when I'm like, Deer in headlights, like, <laughs> I don't know that word. Wait, so at 15, was that when you came to the U.S.? Yes, I came to the U.S. too. Um, so what, what brought you here? Um, you know, the situation in Colombia was really bad back then. So my parents decided to send me to boarding school. Mm -hmm. And I came to an all-girls school um, in Massachusetts. You know, it was partly because... It, you know, it was the time uh, when things were really bad and there was a lot of kidnapping and there was a lot of drug trafficking and Colombia was going through a very bad period. Mm -hmm. Well, so there's been really great news that's come out of Colombia recently. I mean, after many, many years, um, now there's peace with, yes, with the FARC and it's a moment of, we have been slowly... Um, coming to this moment right. that it's now finally happened. So, how does that feel for you? I mean, you've made your your life here, your adult life here. You've made a family here, but as a Colombian American, you know, what does news like that mean to you? Oh, it was a very joyous moment for mm -hmm. me because I've seen what it's done to our country. I've seen what it's done to my family. My sister had to move from Colombia for a long period of time. I lived right. here. My sister lived here. My parents were there. Mm -hmm. We had to go back and forth. So it kind of, not that it divided the family, but, you know, we saw it on a personal level. Right. We saw it somewhat. But for the country, we also felt it. There were worse stories than ours. Mm -hmm. I mean, people died. People were destitute. Uh, people were killed. There was so much anger. There was so much that could not be forgiven from either side. Mm -hmm. So this is a moment for a very big moment for a country because it's about forgiveness and forgiveness to move forward. You have to forgive. So tell us what it was like growing up in Barranquilla. 
I grew up in Barranquilla. Um, you know, it was a wonderful childhood that I had, really, because Barranquilla is on the north eastern tip of Colombia, with very close proximity to the United States or to Florida. Ooh, your phone. Uh-oh. She's planning the September issue, guys. It's a no-no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was also the industrial port of mm-hmm. Colombia. So a lot a lot of things came through. We had it first. We got it first. The you know, the first uh, VCR, the first. <laughs> we were the first to get the movies. We were the first to get the magazines. Right. You know, it all came through us first. So we felt very privileged in that sense. But it was also a city full of color, of music, of carnival, of happiness. Mm-hmm. How do you experience a fashion differently than you might have if you had grown up in anywhere Oregon? else? Yes. <laughs> no, Oregon is a great example. Okay, I don't know. New York or Florida? You know, I always say that the background of growing up in Colombia gave me a very different perspective. When I started in the fashion business, it was that different perspective that really helped me because I saw beauty through a different lens right. that wasn't so homogeneous. It was just a different perspective. Mm-hmm. My idea of beauty maybe is not as perfect or is not as pristine or mm-hmm. maybe it was more colorful or right. maybe it was... So it was a different eye, a different perspective. When you're an outsider and you haven't grown up in this state, there's some things that you really appreciate that when you live here, you might take for granted. Growing up in Barranquilla, you had you had access to magazines or kind of media that was different or less accessible to the rest of Colombia. You got it at an early age. Do you remember the first time you saw somebody like yourself in the media? That you know, we talk a lot about being reflected and how important that is for kind of like opening up your vision of what's possible in the world. Growing up in Barranquilla, most moms did not work. There was one, only one mom that I knew who was the mother of this kid that went to school with me. And she was this incredibly stylish woman. Mm -hmm. And she had a shop of clothes. And she was the only one that worked. And I was like in awe of her because she was the only person that I was like, wow, I would love to be like her. Mm -hmm. My mother was, you know, a housewife. And most of the mother's of my friends were housewives. So I didn't really have somebody growing up that I was like, oh, I wish I, it was this woman Mm -hmm. who's still alive and she's fantastic and she's still very stylish and, um, and beautiful. And every time that I see her, I tell her, but things have changed so much. And now there's so many women that are role models in Barranquilla, you know, including Sofia Vergara, Shakira. Who uh, are your best friends, right? You, you're, you hang out with them all the time. I do know them. I do know them, both of them. Barranquilla is a very small town. Mm -hmm. So I do know Shakira and I do know Sofia Vergara. We're not best friends, but, (laughs) but we all came from a very small town. Right. Um, so everybody kind of knows each other. But back when I was growing up, there was no no woman that, but that one that I was like, because I knew very early on my thing was fashion. I really loved it. It was mm-hmm. something that I recognized from very early on. And she kind of epitomized that independent woman that mm-hmm. had her own store, that would travel and buy clothes. Mm-hmm. And she had a shop and she would sell them. And she was, you know, that kind of inspiration. 
Why fashion? You know, as a bright, creative, you know, driven person, for you, you know, what was the thing that was like, I'm going to direct my energies here? I, it, it's nothing that I can pinpoint, but I knew from very early on that's what I wanted to do. Wow. I thought I wanted to be a designer. I mm-hmm. would, If you gave me a piece of paper at the age of six, all I would do was you know, doodle collections, I would make dresses, I would just, I would just draw. That's Mm -hmm. all, all I wanted to do. I wanted to be in my mom's closet. She kept it locked. And I was like, (laughs) why is she locking me out? (laughs) Which made me even, gave me more desire to be in there. I was a child that all I wanted to do was draw and paint and do, and I would pour over magazines Mm -hmm. and look at the fashion and then want to translate it into my own so for a long time I thought I wanted to be a designer right later on in life it just I made a turn and came into journalism Mm -hmm. and to fashion journalism but it was unexplainable I can't explain it that was just in my that's what I wanted to do in your DNA yeah there was nothing else that even closely interested me as much as fashion here's actually just something that I wanted to share with you and we were talking about like being reflected in media and, you know, where you saw people that you want to aspire to. And we had um, my co-host, Rebecca, who isn't here with us today. She has family in Israel. And um, her cousin, who's gay, was saying, you know, when he was growing up in Israel, they would watch Project Runway. And that was one of the first times that they saw themselves reflected, that there is this, like, proud oh. gay culture and gay element on TV colorful things, colorful people, this great city. And it was the first time that it was like a non-issue. Oh, I'd love to hear that. That people were on television. That is such a, I love to hear that. I mean, I think this program was so, listen, we're going into our 15th season. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And people ask me all the time, well, why, you know, how does this show have stayed so much? But you have to remember 12 years ago when the show started, there was no Instagram. There was none of the social media. Right. Fashion was really under wraps still, very much so. That whole experience that I'm telling you, very clicky, nobody could really see the shows. Mm-hmm. It was just still very under wraps. And Project Runway came in like the perfect storm. It was, you know, yes, H&M started to come in. It was really, all of a sudden, it lifted the veil of what really happens to a designer, what really happens mm-hmm. to that creative process. So it was really the first of its kind. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, part of the reason it's endured. I also think the the show, much like fashion, is a reflection of our culture. So things happen in the show that, in a microcosm, that are really a, a reflection of what's happening out there. Mm-hmm. So there was that very important moment in one of the episodes when I asked one of the designers who was designing a print that was supposed to mean something to them, Mm -hmm. something very connected, very private or connected to them. Mm -hmm. Not private, but something that meant a lot to Mm -hmm. them. And he he designed this beautiful print and I asked him, well, what does your print mean? Like, what is is behind this print? The symbolism in the pant actually are um, these pluses are positive signs and I've been uh, HIV positive for 10 years and when I saw these um, pictures of my 
family. It brought back a lot of emotion. And so I wanted to pull from the past, but I also wanted to give something back of who I am now. And that I've been so scared of and hiding from. And that's just, that's the story. So that was the moment that I was like, oh my God, like this is happening on TV. And this, is, this show is such a reflection of what is happening in our lives. Right. And here is this young man that now has the courage that feels okay enough mm -hmm. to, and, and strong enough to come out and say, I'm HIV positive. And that's what inspired that print. So that was a very proud moment for me. Yeah. This podcast is supported by Toyota, presenting Mirai, the car of the future. The same innovators who brought us the Prius, the world's most successful hybrid car, now present Mirai, an efficient and reliable hydrogen-powered vehicle that maintains Toyota's world-class standards. Mirai combines oxygen from the atmosphere with hydrogen from its fuel tank to produce its own energy, with water as its only byproduct. This innovation puts Mirai at the forefront of green automotive technology. With Mirai, Californians have another opportunity to be trailblazers in zero-emission vehicles. Enjoy the future of driving today. For more information on Mirai, visit toyota.com slash M-I-R-A-I. Do you still travel back to Columbia? We go at least twice a year. Really? With your kids, yeah. your whole family? Yes, we go with our kids yeah and I feel it's really important for them to to get as much time down there as they can mm -hmm. because those are their roots and right. I would hate for them to grow up and not you know I'm very proud of my roots mm -hmm. I feel yes I, I'm also very proud to be American but I am also I've always been very proud to be Colombian and I've always I and I mean it from the bottom of my heart that is what made me when I came to this country that's what gave me the strength that's what filled me with strength mm -hmm. and that's what made me really like I said gave me a different perspective and mm -hmm. that's what really fueled me with strength the fact that I had this that I was different mm -hmm. that I was you know that I brought something different to the table and that my culture was different um, so I want them to feel a little bit of that and there's something magical and so hard. I think this is what, you know, we hear and I feel as a parent, you know, I'm a child of immigrants, so I have a different experience than you. But, you know, that that instilling of like, we did this, right? you can, can do, do this. this. Yes. And I wonder, like, how how do we keep our kids hungry? You know, like as we go into the generations, that like kind of immigrant mindset that drives us and kind of challenges us and can gifts us with a sort of resilience. How do you keep that going? Because the goal is always, of course, to make your kids as like happy and comfortable as they can. And then what if they're not hungry enough? I <laughs> like, know. what do you? I, I, listen, I'm trying to figure that out as well with yeah. my kids. But I do think that, you know, I, I'm sure with your Korean heritage, just as the Latin American heritage, it's really a lot about family and a lot about tradition and a lot about, I don't know, values. We just can't lose that. Yeah. We just really can't. 
Does your husband ever feel left out of all the Colombianness? No, he loves it. I think he secretly would want to be <laughs> Colombian. He's even asked me, like, how do I get a Colombian passport? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm sure you can. You're married to a Colombian. There must be some kind of a step that you could take. But we first have to start with you speaking Spanish. Um, Just like, dump in there for like yeah, a year. Right? Yeah. I don't know if he would like it that much. But he loves Colombia. He, you know, he loves to go down there. His family comes, and he comes from a very uh, tight family too. Mm-hmm. And he he understands. Right. He can't speak, but he understands when we're speaking slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you know, you had always been aspiring to be American, like watching American TV mm-hmm. and those, you know, cassette tapes that came in. Are you an American citizen? Yes, I did become an American citizen. It was a not without some internal struggles mm-hmm. because. Like, I was married, and I think, like, nine years down the road, my husband was like, you might want to get an American <laughs> passport because we're having a lot of hard time getting a visa for you anytime you want to travel. Right. Because I still was very holding on to my Colombian. And not that I couldn't have two passports. Right. I can have two passports. But I was still, like, internally, I was like, well, I don't know if I can just, you know, be American all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And then I did, and it was fine. And I know that I can be like, you know, a mashup. I right. am Colombian, and I have a Colombian passport, and I have a, I'm an American passport. But when there was that defining moment that I had to make the decision, mm-hmm. I would always be like, I can wait another year. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I don't need to. I can. I have a green card. We can wait. Well, now you can vote. Now I can vote. Now I can do jury duty too. <laughs> now you can do jury duty. Yes. Um, but now I'm very proud to be American. Mm-hmm. But it took me a little while. For me, when I had my kids, it really kind of all of a sudden sunk in. Like, yeah, my kids are a mix, mm-hmm. and I might have not been born here. But I am a mix. Mm -hmm. And this is my family. Like you're right. We are an American family. Mm -hmm. And what is so great about this country, it's that it is, there are so many nationalities. There Mm -hmm. are so many different backgrounds. That is what makes this country so great. Yeah. And that we can all kind of be under the same umbrella and feel Americans. That is incredible. Well, so let's talk about your kids' names. Alexander and Lucas. And Lucas. Lucas. I have an Alejandro. You don't have an Alejandro. No. And I'll (laughs) tell you what the thought process was behind the names. I really wanted a name that could be the same Mm -hmm. in Spanish and English or Italian or French that could be a little more. My married last name is not Garcia. Mm -hmm. So they were not going to be, you know, Alejandro Garcia. That was not going to be. It was going to be Alejandro Conrad. And that was going to be weird. <laughs> so <laughs> Alex yeah. can sound American. It could be Colombian. And the same with Lucas. Mm-hmm. Lucas can be Lucas. There's a little bit of a different pronunciation. We always fight about this at home. <laughs> because in English, they're like Lucas. And in Spanish, it's Lucas. But at least we're not giving them any weird names like orange or... Green bean. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say another fruit, but right. I won't to call out a specific person. Right, exactly. Um, speaking of Spanish and names, how did you feel about the accents in Narcos? Okay, I was obviously obsessed. I'm still obsessed, <laughs> waiting for season two. But it is really not a Colombian accent. He's Portuguese. Right. No. 
he's Portuguese. But they did a really excellent job. He, and he's an excellent actor. But <laughs> did you see the first telenovela, the Escobar el Patrón del Mar? No. Oh, well, it's on Netflix. It I'm going to add it. You ha- <laughs> and you speak Spanish perfectly. Yeah. You will be riveted. If you love Narcos, El Patrón del Mar is even <laughs> more riveting. And the guy that plays... Escobar looks like Escobar, really? sounds like Escobar, has the same exact accent as Escobar. It is just so well done. And it goes on for like, I don't know, it's endless. It's like a year, <laughs> year worth of watching. You really should watch All it. All right, I'm, I'm watching it. Well, so we have this ongoing conversation with some of our Colombian women friends that growing up watching telenovelas, like basically ruined them for dating in the real life. <laughs> because they were like, it, I, we just, I had so many misconceptions of what love was going to be like and what men were going to be like. W- did you grow up watching telenovelas? I didn't <laughs> because I was so obsessed with the American culture <laughs> right. that I was probably watching The Love Boat <laughs> or whatever. I wanted to be American. Remember, I was like in Colombia watching all these VCR tapes of <laughs> right. American programming because we were so close. Funny. So I didn't grow up watching telenovelas. But I do know that the Colombian telenovelas are very good. Yes. Like Betty La Fea, which mm-hmm. got turned into Ugly Betty. Um, this El Patron del Mal that has now become Narcos. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They do a great job. I've, now I'm watching telenovelas as an older person. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> So guys, the Olympics is coming up and we are thinking about the age-old game of who do mashups cheer for? On the next episode, we talk about that plus the 100% Asian American badminton team. Subscribe at iTunes.com slash mashup. And if you're already subscribed, please give us five stars. It helps other lovely people find us. Back to the show. Um, what is your comfort food? Comfort food? God, chocolate, unfortunately. I, I run around this place asking all the others, do you have chocolate? <laughs> By any chance, did you get any chocolate? Um, what is always in your fridge? Ice. I love ice. Remember, <laughs> I, I, I grew up in the coast, so water with ice. Like, ice is a very was a very big luxury. Right. And my husband's like, well, why can't you have water without ice? Do you really need to bring the cup of ice? I'm like, yes, I need the ice. Look, ice. This water has ice. Um, what's your Starbucks name? Nina. Nina. Although you'd be one. surprised. Do people recognize you in Starbucks? Yes, they do. Sometimes. Do they get nervous? I don't know. People always think that I'm judging what they're wearing, and I'm really not. I am not looking. I think fashion people actually seem to care the least what, like, ordinary people are wearing. Yes, it's so true. We're not judging. Trust me, I'm not judging what anybody's wearing. Because you know people get nervous when they see you about what they should wear. They see me on the weekends with my kids. I get nervous that they see me. Did you ever think that this would be where your how your career turned? I didn't even think I wanted to be in the show. I really fought for a long time because I wanted to be an editor. That was my that was what I wanted to do. And I was pretty fixated with I want to be an editor. Mm-hmm. And that's 
my goal. And I was the fashion director, and I, that was my, you know. Right. And so when the producers came to pitch the show to me, I was like, no, I'm really not interested. Right. I don't think this is a good idea. I'm never going to get invited to another show. I'll be <laughs> right. fired. God knows what will happen. This is such a clicky industry. And it was the opposite that happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, fortunately, I did say yes. And it was a very big, it was a lesson in life to really take the opportunities as they're presented. Right. Because sometimes you might be scared or you don't feel completely. I just had never been done TV. Right. I had no idea. I was like so scared and right. petrified of being on TV. It was not in my You wheel. never look like that. <laughs> never once. Well, not in the first season me. in the first episode. Oh, I'm sure I did. <laughs> but just never turn opportunities down. You know, there's always, you have to take risks. You have to sometimes really say yes to opportunities that present themselves. And this was a huge opportunity that gave me so many offered me so many other platforms. Mm -hmm. From there, I wrote many, I've written many books, I've done many other things, just given me so many other opportunities to go on different different platforms mm -hmm. that I would not had had I not done the show. Yeah. Had I not said yes to anybody out there listening, you have to say yes, you have to consider things. It's very easy to dismiss it and it's very easy to be, you know what, I'm scared. That's not in my comfort zone and I'm not going to do it because I don't feel comfortable. Right. Well, you will feel comfortable. Trust me. 15 episodes. <laughs> yeah. I go there and I'm like, okay, let's just do it. I am comfortable. And you, I would have never imagined that right. on my first day in that set. I was petrified. Does that woman, that incredibly stylish mom who had the shop, when you were growing oh up. Oh, my God. Did yes. she ever watch the show? Yes, of course she's watched the show. Yes. Thank you so much, Nina. This Pleasure. was this so This was so fun. much fun. What a delight. And she was just like so not judgy. Not judgy at all. She was so kind. Oh, I love that. I love when people are surprising. <laughs> so that was Nina Garcia, creative director at Marie Claire and judge on Project Runway. Not so judgy, though, in real life. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram and all of the socials at Nina Garcia. Also, we should talk about that lady in Barranquilla, Nina's hometown, who inspired Nina with the clothing shop. Like, I just think it's so amazing to think about all the people in our lives who inspire us to become what we are. Totally, and you never know where that inspiration is going to come from, like a TV show or a magazine or, you know, a retail store. You know, we talked to, like, my biggest inspiration ever in one of the very first episodes of our podcast, the great yeah. and fearless Margaret Cho. I know. Oh, my God. I mean, that so might amazing. be... She's so amazing. That might be the not-so-secret reason that we do this show. Mm. Um, <laughs> talk to our inspirations. Well, there could be worse reasons, right? So we want to hear... Who is somebody that inspires you that you would want to hear from? Tell us at Facebook.com slash Mashup Americans. So with that, the Mashup Americans are me, Rebecca Lair. And me, Amy Choi. Our producer today was Jocelyn Gonzalez. Our show is produced by American Public Media and Southern California Public Radio, KPCC. We're also supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Besos. Bye. Bye.